Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello and welcome to AfterBuzz TV, the home of the official after show for the Netflix original series, Sweet Magnolias. Now, here is the place you want to tune in after every show that you watch so you can get insight from cast and crew and have an exclusive conversation that you can't have anywhere else. So we sure hope you continue to join us. Today, we are talking season one, episode seven, Hold My Hand. I am your host, Jamie Alexander, and I'm joined by a incredible panel of folks. We got Tammy, Kelsey, and Bryant with us. And as promised, we brought special guests. So you may know him as Isaac. We have Chris Medland in the building with us. And also, hey, and also writer on the show, Sweet Magnolias, Anthony Epling. Hello. How's everyone doing today? (laughs) So great. Great. Excited. (laughs) Great. Love it. Well, we're going to be talking a few topics today because this was a loaded show. So we have a few topics. Um, your cracks are showing, which is we got Cece, her dad, and Helen. You know, we get a little reveal with that. <laughs> Annie gets found out. And Garth, we've got Garth, Noreen's brother, asking some consistent questions about our happiness. Second topic, I've got you. Because Coach Ty and Jax had a little situation to work out. And we love how Cal and Trotter really came through to support Maddie. And last but not least, bonding time. We see a lot more from Isaac and Eric in this episode and learn so much more about the character of Isaac. So let's go ahead and dive into this conversation. <laughs> All right. So really quick, Anthony, I would love to start with you. Um, I wanted you to tell us about your specific contribution in the writer's room and what were some of the ideas that you were excited to bring forth? Um, I mean, I think one of the things for this particular episode that um, was, the, I, I would say, probably the thing that was the most interesting conversation in the writer's room for this episode was getting to the heart of Cece and Russ's relationship and Russ's reluctance to assume that Cece was college bound. Um, I'm from the Appalachian part of the South. And Frankie, who I think you guys have talked with earlier from the writer's room, is from Alabama. She and I were the two Southern writers on the show. And it was, it was a really interesting conversation because all of the, all the Yankees were just sort of flummoxed at the idea that still in the South, that there are parents that are like, just expect that their children will not be college bound and will sort of do the same routine that they have always done. And so that was a, I thought a a really great conversation and something that I felt like I really got to sort of bring to it again, because Frankie and I were sort of bouncing off. It's like, no, you know, a lot of people just want their kids to sort of have the same life that they've had because they've had a good life. They're really, they don't see the need for it to be something else. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think particularly for this episode, that was one of the excited about getting to have that conversation. Wow, we absolutely love that. And it was really good. And it was very powerful. And I love the authenticity because you guys were Southern and kind of had a different view on things that you were able to bring to that relationship. So, you know, that's why I wanted to ask because it really shines through. And, you know, we want to make sure that we have a bunch of questions for you in regards to that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, this show opens up, of course, we have the Dolly Parton debate, for or against. Mm. I say for. I love Dolly. How can you not love Dolly? (laughs) That was really fun and cute. And I really love Trotter for being a main 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But something else that was super important, and maybe Bryant, you can share how you felt about this, but Eric and Isaac hiking. I was really excited to see that relationship blossom and learn more about Isaac. So how did you feel about it, Bryant? Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it because, you know, we got that little kind of, I guess, blowout a couple of, with the last episode or a couple of episodes ago between the two of them, you know, Isaac was tripping around trying to find more about his family, um, trying to find more about his past. And it, it kind of blew up in his face with Eric. So I loved how, and we just talked so much about Eric. Like I'm still conflicted between team Eric and team Ryan at this point, but we just talked <laughs> so many great things about Eric because he's just such a great person, you know, like he is great to everybody in his life, whether it be in the kitchen, whether it be um, Dana Sue, his boss. So it was just so great to see this really interaction between the two of them and to get more of Isaac's backstory to see that he was adopted and all this kind of stuff. So loved it. And I just can't wait to see more. Yes. So Chris, I'll toss it to you. In this episode particular, we're getting an opportunity to really learn about Isaac's backstory. Can you tell us a little bit about how you related to that character? Oh, wow. Um, I'm actually <laughs> from a town not unlike Serenity. Um, mm-hmm. The difference being, I think that the the team and the creative and the producers of Sweet Magnolias have created a, a small town in the South for 2020. Um, and it is very mm-hmm. special to see, for me and I think for Isaac as well, to see so many representations of different walks of life and different uh, different nationalities, different races in this small bubble of serenity. Um, and I think that kind of growing up as my own little version of, of Isaac, of, of, a, of an, a fresh face in a small town um, and being a person of color um, in an area where it is so traditional and so n- closely networked, um, I think it's something that a lot of people relate to today. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it is so relative to everyone's hometown experience um, of just kind of finding, finding like uh, in search of a background that you don't know of, I think is, is relatable to a lot of people, myself especially. <laughs> yeah, I would absolutely have to agree. Um, yeah, you make a good point with that there. And Isaac is such a sweet character. Like, he always he shows up for people in his own way with his own little advice and you really have a presence on the show every time I see him, I'm just like oh I was telling the um the cast I was like oh I hope he doesn't aff- be offended he's a grown man but I just think he's so cute like Isaac is really cute you know he's so sweet I think he he has good intentions and he means well and he's yeah. he's in search of like positive things I think he just goes about it the entirely incorrect way um, mm-hmm. which I think we've all done ourselves as well. Um, and I think that, um, like, no. I think Isaac is very thankful Never. for, <laughs> I think Isaac is very thankful for, you know, you spoke about this relationship with Eric. Um, I think he's very thankful for that because as many mistakes and as incorrect Isaac walks through his own journey, Eric is equally just as forgiving and nurturing to him, regardless of what he's done. Um, and he's, he's very just welcoming to all that Isaac is and all that Isaac could be, uh, which I think is very necessary to see, especially like the, the bond that they have is to two grown men, I think is special too. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't, you don't get to see that a lot highlighted in, in like Southern stories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there is this idea of, of men kind of just being on their own and forging their own path, but you see them kind of lift each other up in moments and support each other. Chris, that's a great point because I think that, I mean, often, like you said, you don't see that relationship between the two grown men and it would have been so easy. And we so often seen like a character like Eric just write someone like Isaac off because he's mm-hmm. irritated or he's pissed. And he's like, you know what? I don't need you in my life because you're not, adding to it right but he is Mm -hmm. adding to it and it's really cool that I mean Anthony like you guys as the writers have 
shown the viewers that those are relationships you need to work on and they do help you even if it doesn't you don't see that like right in the like right on the front line right there you so i love that i love the relationship you have with eric and i love the relationship you have with annie that scene got me like not this episode but oh he's isaac i i mean i agree with you jamie like isaac is just the sweetest little cutest thing and i love that we've gotten to see him grow instead of he could have been a character where he was just like dropped in little tidbits here and there but i like that we are finally getting a little bit more to him Mm-hmm. What I would say too, just to I... chime in on that, it's like, oh, sorry, Tammy, go ahead. No, no, go, go. I was just going to say what I loved about the introduction of Isaac was how we thought he was going to be some like kind of bad guy or villain or play this weird role because we saw, you know, the snooping when he opened the, mm. the filing cabinet. So it's so interesting to see that, like you said, Chris, he went about things the wrong way, but with all good intention. So I love how we see that full circle and we see who he truly is through his character that he just wants to know more about his past and connect with others. So love it. Love Isaac. And, and Brian, that was, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, go. I was yes, gonna go. Say, and Brian, that was always our intention. Like yeah. when we started talking about it, we, we really wanted Isaac to seem sort of this, as like this creepy guy who mm -hmm. nobody was sure about with the intent that by the time we got to the end of six, top of seven, and we found out why he was there, like we joked that if we had done our right, then everybody in every viewer was going to want to bring Isaac home and give him as much macaroni and cheese as possible. Like, <laughs> yes. you, you know, he belonged in your family. Mm -hmm. But not at first. You're right. At first, you're like, what's going on with this guy? Why is he snooping in Data Sue's office? Why is he asking a million and one questions? But now you love him. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yes, Tammy, what was it that you were going to share? Well, I was just thinking, you know, coming off of the end of episode six, when there's that confrontation between Eric and Isaac, um, you know, when we had, uh, when we were speaking to Dion about that scene, I mean, that was a really tough scene to watch as a viewer. And so, Chris, I'm just curious, you know, I can only imagine working with Dion raises the bar. Um, what was it like working with him on that scene in particular and coming into episode seven? Dion is one of the most like inspiring people to work with. Um, his the way he approaches material and the way that he kind of dives in um, is something that's very uh, aspirational for me to look at and watch him do um, in a similar Isaac Eric relationship of of someone that has has these credits and this experience that I am hoping to gain and watching that happen in real time on a set that's about very similar characters um, going through their own journey of, of like of similar lengths. Um, and it is, it is funny. We joked on set that um, the scene you mentioned about uh, Isaac and Annie together, um, their little heartfelt one-on-one -on -one moment um, that uh, Dion had kind of, his take on Eric had kind of rubbed off on me a little bit. And so people behind the camera had commented it was uh Isaac having having his Eric moment for Annie <laughs> of like the way that I was phrasing things kind of sounded reminiscent of the way that Eric would have phrased them and so mm. it kind of seemed like Eric had rubbed off these lessons to Isaac and then he was passing them on to Annie in his own little way he's love he's incredible that. to work with he's such a smart actor well Isaac yes. looks up to Eric you know and that's yeah that's the beautiful part of their relationship and but Eric doesn't look down to him so mm -hmm. I love that I love that yes well, I have Kelsey, to agree oh, yeah sorry I no go ahead Anthony no don't apologize this is the conversation jump are right on I mean, in Kelsey, to that point Kelsey to that point you know what you're saying is I don't know whether I'm supposed to say this or not um whatever nobody made me sign an nda um, <laughs> that is one of, um but your point is one of the things that netflix always said that they really liked about this show as we were going mm -hmm. through the process was these unexpected friendships mm -hmm. it is you know these relationships that you don't when you first meet them you do not think are going to become a value or substance but suddenly you see you know, Eric and Isaac, you see Isaac and Annie, you see, you know, the be in the beginning, uh, 
in this episode in particular, you see the beginnings of something between Cece and Helen. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, these people coming from different walks of life yeah. that don't naturally intersect, but in a town like Serenity, you know, they become, they become meaningful in one another's lives and rub off on one another. I love that. Gosh, and it mm -hmm. is so well done because even with the Eric and Isaac relationship, what I'm getting anyway is father and son, even though it was only briefly mentioned as a question, I'm still getting that vibe of like, well, maybe Eric did take him under his wing just a little bit. And then you see Isaac kind of, you know, like you said, um, rubbing off that Eric kind of vibe. So was it the intention to kind of have just a little bit of a through line of father son ish flavor just to create the bond? I mean, for sure, we wanted people in the moment of that confrontation at the end of six, when he says, I thought you were my dad, we wanted people to be with Isaac and understand, mm. you know, getting, yeah, I thought that too. Or I can see why he thought that. So it, it was always intentional. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I love that. That makes so much sense. And, you know, you brought up another relationship that was really good. And you know, maybe Tammy, you could tell us your opinion on that. But there's this scene where we're, we're seeing this look on Cece's face. At this point, it's a little consistent. Like, we don't know what her hesitation is. And then we meet her father. So, Tammy, what were your thoughts on that uh, scene with Rush? I mean, I'm sorry, Russ, Helen, and Cece. <laughs> yeah, you know, my heart was breaking for Cece because I, I, I could feel what she was feeling. You know, I, I like I totally got it. And when Helen walked up to them, I was just like, oh, my God, don't like just stay back. Do not get involved with this. Um, my heart was breaking. But at the same time, you know, if if you weren't on Team Helen before this, which I would think is virtually impossible, um, <laughs> you were in this in this thing because. Um, and Anthony, and this is, you know, to the credit of the writers, the dynamics between the three of them were so crystal clear that, you know, each character had its own crystal clear agenda and, and motivations, and you felt for all of them. I mean, you know, granted the dad was a little, was a lot abrasive, but you got it because if you know this, that kind of small town, like you got it. Uh, I want to chime in real quick. I have to play devil's advocate because I talked to Kofi about this. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know that she has a lot going on, but I am no way, shape, or form a CC fan. <laughs> Regardless of what she has going on in her life, I think it's just because I love Annie so much. And we yeah. see, of course, this, you know, mean girl vibe from CC. Obviously, you know, like I said, she has and kind of these intentions or why she's doing it because she's going through a lot at home but that same token girl check that at the door check that at the two front door of the school and just be a nice girl because I can't deal with it and I'm just I love time Annie so much that's so why I'm just like uh-uh CC like stay back literally every single episode I have a note that says get out of here CC like I, just, I can't do <laughs> Oh my God. I love it. You know, but I do think the writers did a good job because usually I'm, I'm the one that's a little bit petty on the panel, but I kind of, <laughs> I kind of like Cece and I'm, I'm really enjoying learning mm. about her. Um, kind of in the way that I'm learning about Jax, like Kelsey, we know you're not a Jax fan, but there was also, <laughs> we're seeing more of them to where we can understand. And if we're moving and the kindness and the openness of serenity and giving people the grace we'd give ourselves, then we can create the space for these two characters as well. Kelsey, what do you think it's, about Jack too? It's hard to remember that these kids are in high school, you know, because I want them, like Brian said, it's like, okay, you know what? I don't care what you're going through. Like, leave it at the door, come in and still kill everyone with kindness. But then we have to remember, like, yeah, these are teenagers. Mm -hmm, and right. being a teen is so hard I also could not imagine growing up in a town as small as this where everyone knows your business and you have to just kind of put on this face but I don't know I'm just like for both of them I'm like y'all everyone's being kind to you can you try be kind a little bit but I get it I get it so I'm kind of in between I'm like okay now I like that we have both of their backstories Jackson and Cece but still, come on, you two, come on. <laughs> no, I think, I think there's something that 
our writers did really well on this show is they highlighted the the good and the bad that's in every person mm-hmm. um just as much as you um you kind of like you say like you know get it together cc or get it together jackson like they also show uh dana sue pushing back at people and also show mm-hmm. why she's doing it like they go- do a good job of showing no matter how perfect or positive a person may be there's still stuff going on in their own life and then vice versa of no matter how bad a person is they still do good on the other side as well um I think they do a good job of balancing, like making the villains have good points and making the the heroes have have human moments as well, where everyone has flaws. I think they do a good job of balancing that. Well said. I agree. Yeah, definitely agree. And you can see that. And actually, you know, Chris, I had another question for you is we learned that this is Annalise, her breakout role. So how was it working with her? Because she's so brilliant and sweet and smart and she seemed very ready for this. But was there anything special that you did with scenes with her to kind of, you know, help her along or anything of that nature? Uh, not really, because we're both brand new to this. Um, so you this, too? What? yeah, this is my first role. Uh, um, oh, wow. I think, I think the specialness between the two of us was getting to experience that together um, because we are, at least in my world, my, my bubble of, of working on set kind of existed in the restaurant. Um, so I only saw her when she was part of the restaurant scenes more or less. Um, but when she's there, she is very clearly like Dana Sue's daughter or an employee of the restaurant. She's not, uh, she's not Annie that goes to school on her own. She's mm-hmm. not getting to exist outside of a shadow of Dana Sue. Um, so I think that that me and her as as actors and as characters related in that moment, just as as kind of like the underdogs in the restaurant of its own, mm. um, I think was was special to walk through that together and get to do scenes together and be like, no, this is my first time doing this such and such kind of scene or my first time doing this kind of thing. And um, it was really great to experience that together. That's awesome. That is so beautiful. Look at you guys. We would have never known. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, very professional, very great. Um, definitely loving all of the plot lines. Um, this this episode was really full. I would love to talk about, um, and maybe Anthony, this is something you can speak to, but the whole thing with Ty and Jax, where was the decision made to kind of have Ty step up in this very mature way and kind of take Jax under his wing like baby brother almost? Um, I, it was something that we talked about in the writer's room. I don't, I feel like this is something we came up with. I don't remember this um, piece of it being in the book. Uh, but, you know, again, one of the things that we want wanted to show is for Jackson and Ty both in this episode they are children of their mothers mm-hmm. you know Jack, uh, Jackson has learned to be the way he is from Mary Vaughn like that's why mm-hmm. that's a, I think a huge yeah. part of that scene when she's dressing him down mm-hmm. um, you know if again if if your mom is going to treat you that way in front of the school where Evie is, you know, leaving and it's it's such a public place, like that tells you a lot about that family dynamic. Mm -hmm. And on the, we have seen so much of Maddie really being this very nurturing and mother encouraging her kids through her example to take the high road. And so I think as the writers, we were very excited to put these two teenage situation where they essentially got to live out the good and bad example their mom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to chime in again because <laughs> I am, so I totally see that. And I also have a note every single episode that says, get out of here, Mary Vaughn, because I'm just like, oh, <laughs> over, <laughs> over her too. But I 100% agree with you, Anthony, that she is the one that's making Jackson like this. You know, you all, yeah. all this about these learned behaviors and there's such a, an opposite, but also kind of like a parallel between Jackson and Ty that um, Maddie has just been so nurturing, especially in these tough times for Ty, and that is rubbing off on him. So I love, literally, I had to text Kelsey again. I was like, girl, when he like threw the baseball game, when he sat out, I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm done. Like, <laughs> that was it for me. <laughs> we love. Yeah. 
Yes, those were all very good points to bring up. It was kind of hard to watch, you know, Jax be talked down by his mother that way. But again, kind of just like Mm -hmm. Cece, you're seeing these parents that are having an adverse effect on their children and being very impressionable. These are impressionable years being a teenager. Um, You know, we're even watching Annie navigate. uh, And these parents have so much to do with everything. I was thinking about when I was watching Annie, when Dana Sue was uncovering her drinking, I was thinking like, but can Dana Dana Sue see just a little bit on how Annie might've been driven to drink just a little bit? Like she's not been able to really talk to and connect with Mm -hmm. her mom in any episode. We're just now starting to get to the point where we're seeing more loving, tender, softer connections between Dana Sue and Annie. So maybe Tammy, you could share, if you want, share your thoughts on what you thought about, um, you know, kind of Annie's reveal of, okay, girl, you were drinking, like, you just gonna be drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, I I felt for Dana Sue, like, I, I, I just totally get the fact that she is, she's just keeping her head above water emotionally right now. And when it comes to Annie, like, there's no room for error, I think, in her mind. You know, she's a single parent. There's no room for error. And and because she almost has this Annie up on a pedestal, um, when she falls, she falls really far and she falls really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I was just kind of cringing when Dana Sue was just laying laying on her like that, um, I like I I knew Annie was gonna be wise enough to know, I know my mom loves me. This this is doo-doo right now, but okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> what, what I would speak to too is the relatability. Obviously, it's one of the hugest themes of the show. And I got my mom to watch this show. And it's crazy to see how we all see the characters from different perspectives. So this whole journey, my mom sees Dana Sue as in the right the whole time. She's like, Dana Sue is going through. You know, she's dealing with all this yes. stuff. And then Annie comes <laughs> in here. And I'm like, uh-uh, oh, girl. Like, Annie is the one who's in the right. Like, Annie, like Dana Sue is just being dramatic. So it's crazy to see how we see so many different lenses for these characters. And there's so many different sides for them from so many different people. So I love that so much. And in this in this, this scene in particular, I was also, I kind of saw my mom's point. I was kind of torn. I was like, okay, Dana has to be that parent and be very stern with her. But at the same time, she can be nurturing because Annie has gone through so much. Brian, that's, or Brian, that's so like wild that you say that because I was, I'm totally in the same boat. I made my mom watch it too. And she said the same thing. And then Tammy, when you said in this moment, you felt for Dana Sue, like I was feeling for Annie. So mm-hmm. I just love that. Anthony and like you guys all the writers and Brian you just said it but it's like everyone feels a different way about a different person and there's no right or wrong you know Mm -hmm. it's like just everyone resonates with someone in this show and that's what makes this show so beautiful and so great like anyone from any walk of life can resonate with all of these characters and I love the moment too just really quick when when Annie said I'm not you and Dana Sue's mm-hmm. like, and I'm thankful for that every single night. And she says, it's right. not because you drank. Like, we make mistakes. I get it. It's because you you didn't tell me. Right. And that's like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the foundation of their relationship is staying, you know, the communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I was definitely, I think sometimes I can be just a little immature. So I was looking from Annie's perspective, like, geez, mom, like, I'd be trying Same. to get stuff, but Same. Oh, out. Like, what am I like, supposed to come to you? You want to just need a lot picture. of love. Yeah. Yes. I took a picture of you and your friends. You don't like my Instagram. Like, dang, you don't like nothing, so. That would be me. That's me. Anthony, is this the type of conversations you want people to have when watching Sweet Magnolia? No, it's a hundred percent Dana Sue and Annie's arc is because you know, as you say, like it starts in the very first episode with Annie taking this, like hearing this from her mom about how she should view serenity and her taking this photo but then not being able to find a time to give it to her and you know Tammy as you said Dana Sue really is just keeping her head above water and I think part of this season up to slowly coming to the realization that she and Annie 
don't have the relationship that's in her head because mm -hmm. they are close. But I think in Dana Sue's mind, that means that Annie can just come and talk to her about anything at any time. And, you know, we have seen the, the season so far that Annie's timing isn't, she has trouble finding those opportunities. Mm. And this yeah. is sort of where it really just blows up and hopefully will get repaired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about the timing. And it's kind of like double dutch. You're kind of like, can I get it? Should I say it now? Yes. <laughs> now, like, can I? Oh, no, you know? So I definitely, exactly. I completely feel you on that. And, you know, again, um, honoring that these kids are teens, I'm sure it's not fully developed yet where they understand social cues on a level where it's like, okay, this is a good time to talk to mom. And then, like you said, with Dana Sue, just barely keeping her head above water, where is the time when you're running a business, starting a new one, um, healing and overcoming PTSD of a sort when it comes to men and um, raising a daughter as a single woman. So I completely get it. And I love how you guys put that together because it's real. People are layered. They don't have it all figured out. People go through things and they hurt each other um, unintentionally. But then there's always a way to find some kind of through line of love and the desire to understand each other. So you guys have really, really nailed that. Um, I would love to talk about I, Cece's dad, Eek. Um, <laughs> I'm I know. just looking over my notes like, my I God. said, that's a dick. That's in my notes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, so we have this whole scene. Oh, my God. These parents. D Mary Vaughn oh. goes hard, okay? So we yeah. have this whole conference of these parents, and I'm pretty sure... Uh, Isaac, Chris, you're probably glad you're not a part of this part of things. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the way it was handled with Coach Cal, um, Mary Vaughn, and Bill being all in the same room. So, Bryant, what did you think about that parent-teacher conference about who's going to start in the baseball game against Castlewood and Bulldogs? Well, I already said that I cannot find Mary Vaughn. So <laughs> obviously I was rooting for Maddie and Cal to just, you know, shut her down, which they did. And I loved how they did it with that Southern charm of just like, you know, bless her heart. Like they just totally was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay out of it. Cal was like, I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to make um, Harlan make the decision. And whatever he decides, I'm going to go along with it. So I thought it was so perfectly well done. Um, I thought it was so interestingly well done for the scene perspective to have Bill be there and kind of be mm -hmm. like in the middle of that, like volleying, because like Mary Vaughn and Maddie were like, you know, throwing hands and Bill was like, <laughs> oh, oh, like, so it yeah. was really, really interesting to see that. And then that moment in the end when Bill was just like, or when they decided to wash papers and Bill was just like, I hope you're happy. And then Maddie was just like, I hope you're happy too. I was like, oh my God. Like it was so yeah. like, <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was quite the scene. And, you know, Chris, I'll ask you since, since you had a chance to watch this episode, even though you weren't in the scene, what was your perspective on everything that was going around in that hurricane of a room? Uh, one of the like little nuanced things that I love at the beginning of the scene is when the, um, the teacher tells everyone to take a seat and everyone refuses to, to sit down because it's a it's a power move mm -hmm. um and then cal at the back is like well it's not a big deal like i'm gonna sit down um he's just so laid back about the entire thing he's like i don't see what the point of this is everyone's up like worked up in such a tizzy what are we doing um i think it's handled very well on his part of handing it off to handing it off to the guy to let him decide and he will coach whoever he decides mm -hmm. um it's out of his hands and how quickly the decision is made that like Ty will still start the game. Um, and seeing the fact that Mary Vaughn, love her or hate her, that she can't always get her perfect way. Um, mm -hmm. And the way that everyone else kind of handles that in a way that she can't rebuttal it, um, I think is really special to see in those moments of how even even on different sides of things, these these different adults can can side together to give her uh, give her an option that she can't back out of. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was such a great point on the power moves, and um, this was very colorful. Yes, for that reason, like you brought up so many good points. Um, I want to make sure I cover, but we've talked about, I believe, with Chris. 
Coach Cal has a very amazing way of diffusing all of the issues with this kindness. Like you almost can't fight the guy because he's kind of approaching things in a very, like you said, laid back way. Like everybody sit down. He's like, okay. And that just speaks so much to his character and who he is because I feel even Chris Klein, he kind of shared how Bill wanted to get into it with him. I think it was episode five and you know, about where he was going and blah, blah, blah. And he just kind of was so kind. It was able to diffuse Bill's friction. So maybe mm-hmm. Anthony, you can speak to this. What was the intention behind making Cal so um, neutral almost in everything? Um, well, at least particularly for this scene, you can thank my dad for that. Um, my dad was a high school basketball coach. So part of oh. it was like, okay, <laughs> this like, is oh, like, what? What, would you, what would you do? Um, but no, I mean, both my parents were public school teachers. So, uh, you know, mm. I lived through these stories my entire life. And part of yeah. it, I mean, at least the way that my parents got through these sorts of conferences is you just have to keep finding a way to de-escalate because mm. no, no parent comes to a conference thinking their child is in the wrong. Um, that's when you go to the principal office, but still, you know, and almost every case, you assume that your child is in the right. And so as a teacher or a coach in Cal's case, you know, it's about how, how do we let this, the tensions simmer and the truth of it come out. And, you know, for him, obvious to everyone who is not a Lewis. I don't have to make else make the call. I'll do what I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I loved it. And um, so, yeah, it sounds like you grew up kind of like with a Mary Vaughn, a star, the star football players and team starters and all of the things. <laughs> People really get in their egos about it. Um, and then I, I don't, I don't remember if it was which one of you guys brought up, but that I think it was Bryant, but that moment where the divorce papers are introduced that really touched me. The way Maddie answered was so real because as much as she wants to be away from Bill and as much as she knew that that wasn't the right thing, I love how the show played up on the pain of that. It still hurts. Yes, in Margarita Night, we can cheers to new beginnings. Like, girl, where's the pen? Like, thought mm-hmm. you'd never ask. But there's still that point where it's just like, oh my God, this is really over. Yeah. Kelsey, what were your thoughts on that? Just, you know, that moment and how kind of how that unfolded, especially in the middle of a parent-teacher conference or at the end of it? Yeah, I think Brian said it perfectly with the fact that Bill was in between all of them, kind of in between the volley, volleying, you said, Brian, because it was like this weird sort of power play, even though they weren't sitting down, it was a power play for Bill because he was by himself, you know? He, like, Maddie had Cal backing her up, Mary Vaughn had her husband, and then it was just kind of Bill who was in this awkward, like, I'm here to support Ty, but this is uncomfortable. I don't like that Cal's here with Maddie. And then after all that, Maddie's like, okay, I signed the divorce papers. And, I mean, it was clear that they were both still hurting. And I, like you said, I mean, it was just such a real moment because, as much as Maddie is happy that she's not with Bill anymore, it's like they had, and she says this later on, like 20 years together. They have kids together. They have history together. It's like, it's a lot. So I think that when they said, or when Bill said, like, I hope you, or I wish you all the best. I mean, I really think he meant it. And I thought that scene was kind of beautiful. Actually, it was like, whoa, after all of that big explosion coming back down and having that just between the two of them, I thought was a, cool and necessary moment. Yes, no, that was very well said. Yeah, Anthony, I actually did want to toss it to you on that. Well, I just I just want to give props to uh, Laura, who directed the episode, because as Bryant said, the blocking on that was just so well done. And mm-hmm. Mark, who edited it, like, so that you, we're constantly going back and forth, but we know exactly what everyone is thinking all the time and Mm -hmm. they just I mean for the episode in general they did really yeoman's work but this scene in particular just really really is great 
um, and because of their contribution and everyone, but I just particularly wanted to give them props. Yes, I love how you highlighted that. And something else that I also saw in this episode is that the volume on Bill was turned down a little bit more mm-hmm. than usual. He, we had to see a softening from him, you know, even with him when Noreen had her brother over and he came home and kind of looked in the window, like, let me, they're having a good time. Let me let them, you know, kind of do their thing. What was kind of the decision in the writer's room to soft? It seemed like it was very intentional to soften Bill in this episode. He was just on, on the down and out a little bit. I mean, I, I'm going to answer it in a different way I, because it's interesting watching it this time um, as we have all been in quarantine and stuck in our own little bubbles. Um, you know, it dawned on me that that's really, that's what Noreen and Bill have been since they got together. Um, you know, Noreen mm-hmm. makes the comments that she doesn't really have. Kelly only spends time with Bill. And again, I can't speak for any, like as I have been in my bubble, I can feel the tension um, exacerbating. I can feel, you know, me getting like, you know, um, trying not to to lash out at anything or anyone. And having Garth come in to penetrate that bubble, sudden out, it lets some of the air out and it Mm -hmm. changes that dynamic they are so that particularly from Bill he's able to see a different side of her because you know I mean it's the thing again coming back to our point part of what makes this show relatable is that we are all children pastors friends co-workers you know we have these roles that we fit into which is what makes us um you know this show relatable and Noreen has Bill has really only seen her as co-worker and as fiance. He hasn't seen her with her family and suddenly allowing him to see her with Garth just is a whole side of her that he's, that he's never experienced. And it, you know, again, it, it kind of changes his perspective of this woman that he's going to marry. Wow. Yeah, you're, that is such, I, I love that you answered it that way because it really puts it in perspective and it's so true. They had been living in their own little quarantine life and now these other elements are being brought in and it really does change the dynamic of their relationship because that's something you have to do. They got, well, I don't want to go too far ahead <laughs> on anything, but it's-, it's No spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no spoilers, but you're right. Well said. I am, I'm going to leave it at that when it comes to that. That's just painting the perfect picture, which, you know, writers are so talented to do. Um, so I want to ask you, Chris, you know, since we have you here, what was your greatest challenge in this role? Or did you face any challenges on set that wouldn't be foreseen because you know you said this was your first role what was something that you maybe had to overcome in filming this uh I think we as actors are all storytellers at heart um and I know my background mostly is in theater um and so I had just been I had been in a long-running Broadway show at the time before we started doing Sweet Magnolias for filming and I think the challenge for me beyond attaching to the character and attaching to the story was the the really odd experience of having to think about the performance being on screen versus a stage where you're performing for 2000 people in a New York city Broadway theater every night um, of, of the different mediums of, of telling the story um, where storytelling just the same, but it's, it's a different aspect of, of the way you physically tell that narrative um, was something that the first the first few days on set was like a little jarring to to navigate and figure out how to how to size things appropriately and make sure that the choices mm-hmm. are being made the right way and it's um, I'm really thankful for the creative team and Norman and Cheryl and the directors and the writers that were all very present on set um, at helping helping and being so open to collaborating and figuring out what choices are going to read correctly for your character and also read honestly for you as an actor um, was a was a very rewarding experience to approach my first TV role with such a an endearing and welcoming team 
that was willing to help and go like above and beyond to help us tell our own versions of these characters. That is so amazing. And I think it gives, you know, anybody who's watching who might be an aspiring actor um, or anything of that nature, it's kind of nice to hear that production didn't have this expectation of you like, okay, he doesn't know, or he can't do this or that, you know, to have loving people around you. Cause I understand when you're in theater, you're playing to the back of the room. So everything's bigger. Whereas on mm-hmm. TV, it's so small and the subtleties, you don't need to do all that. So to be able to make that transition and have a production team around to support you through that, like I'm proud of you. I think that's so dope because I know the work it takes and you did that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you did. So I you know what I love too? I was going to say, like, Chris, I love that you say that because I feel like everyone we've talked to thus far has said that about Norman and Cheryl and the creative team. And that's just, I think that's really special and really cool and really shows in this show and this project. And that's why everyone loves it so much. And I mean, you guys are a family and it comes from the top down. So I think it's really special that you've all said that. And it's like, so that's clear. I mean, that's clear that that's actually, that was real on set. And I think that's awesome. Yes, very well said. And I com- we, we all completely agree. We've been raving about you guys as a collective since this thing started. Like, wow, you can just feel the vibe throughout the whole, the tone of the show, not only because of the writing, not none of it is mutually exclusive. It's all together. And it just, it's, it's really incredible. Um, let's kind of talk about all the warmth that Maddie received. First of all, the men in Serenity. <laughs> can, you just, can you just drop me in Serenity? Please? Like these loving, yeah. caring men who can see women themselves, growth, the people around them. The, I'm just, I am so blown away. So um, maybe Tammy, you can speak to this. What, there was a few times where we're seeing people like Cal and Trotter step up to really say, look, I know you're sad. I know this happened. I don't expect me, you know, as opposed to them being about their agenda, like they were very open to allowing her to grieve. So what was your perspective, Tammy, on how these men showed up for Maddie? Well, first of all, Anthony, that line that Cal says, what would Dolly Parton do? Oh my God, that was good. So good. That was everything. Um, But, you know, to your point, Jamie, these men that have been created by (laughs) the author and, you know, and then, you know, during the show, just built upon, um, they not only see the women of Serenity, they hear them. Mm. And those moments where Cal says, you know, he, the reality is I've been there. I, I, I know what you're going through. I thought that was really an amazing moment because he, yeah. he could empathize with her. Um, and then, and then Trotter really unexpected. That scene mm-hmm. between the two of them was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Cause he, you know, he's, he's played this really fun, a uh, great guy, but to have that kind of depth and to be able for him to give Maddie that kind of support was was really beautiful. It's funny, just picking back up, what you said, uh, Tammy, with Trotter, just the fact that he knew exactly what to say. Like everything yeah. she said, he was like, okay, okay, okay. Like he knew exactly what to say to not make her feel better, but to just, like you said, make her know that she's seen and she's heard and that mm-hmm. she's understood because she's obviously going through so much. Um, and I just love the, like you mentioned, Jamie, the dynamic between the two of them, how they both in their own way helped Maddie through this, this difficult time. Um, and then Trotter just, you know, having a husband was perfect too. Just that it was, it was just so real and so funny. It's just like, oh, hey babe, how are yeah. you? Like it was yeah. just like yeah. perfect. So it just gave you this full rounded picture of who he is and what he has to bring to help Maddie. Yeah, it was really nice. Was that kind of the goal, um, Anthony, to make the men so selfless? I mean, gosh, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it was 100% the plan with Cal. Um, because part of it is, you know, Cal is very mysterious mm. about, I mean, I shouldn't say mysterious. There's a lot about Cal we don't know. And, you know, this is sort of him testing those waters and saying, like, you know, I have been where you have been in terms of getting divorced. 
and that's kind of new information for her and it's it's him sharing with her as you know as we said it is him being the perfect boyfriend that would never happen in real life um, <laughs> but yep. you know that's that's the cow of it all um you know we I love that <laughs> he is he is the guy that um women want to date but can never find because they don't exist i am repeating things that the women in the room said on these issues I, I'm like, and listen i learned very quickly um so the trotter of it all was a complete accident um mm. originally uh, it was meant to be paula um her Maddie's oh. mom Maddie's mom oh. was supposed to in the original draft of things Maddie's mom was supposed to come to Margarita night bring the divorce papers then that oh. Maddie was going to have this conversation with when she's talking about wanting you know a relationship like her mom and dad had unfortunately Caroline who plays Paula was unavailable when they were shooting this so oh. everything had to get reconfigured and again Kelsey coming back to your earlier thought you know about these unexpected friendships these are people that are going to be invested in one another and particularly finally get to meet Ashley and realize that Trotter is in this relationship to get to see a different side of him Mm -hmm. And so that we, we get a sense of sort of, you know, despite all the, the Dolly Parton jokes and the, you know, run on sentences <laughs> that there is substance with him yeah. and that he's an empathetic person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Gosh, I love that that pivot happened because it's something that ended up working out. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. when things don't go as planned, we get the opportunity to, this is what Cheryl and Norman, we kind of had in the pre-show discussion, the, uh, you know, allowing the divine in when everything is not perfect the way it is on paper, you guys had such a dynamic where you could still make it work. And mm -hmm. honestly, I guess knowing that, I think it worked out for the better. Like it really did work out. I really enjoyed learning about Trotter in that space. And that scene in the studio between Maddie and him, I just loved so it beautiful. so much. Yeah. It was really, yeah. really good. I mean, it made it, me look Trotter. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It just, it gave Trotter a lot more depth versus being kind of just like the goofy kind friend. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was really special. And it was cool because I think that every character in the show has been given the opportunity to grow and we learn more about them. So it was nice that Trotter also got that. And I, I loved that scene. Except for Cece and Jackson and Mary Vaughn. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> the, the, the casual list of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mary Vaughn. But besides them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I love that. I, I mean, Brian, in terms of, again, other things that didn't make it to air, there was, there was a scene that was supposed to give Mary Vaughn a little bit more Depth oh. too, because originally, you know, Ashley makes a comment about Mary Vaughn's sisters that yeah, caused yeah. trouble. Yeah. We mm -hmm. met one of those sisters that was Clint's mom, and we discovered Mary Vaughn is the sane one in the family. <gasps> um, oh. And again, because of <laughs> timing, that character Whoa. got cut. But, but yeah. That's scary. Oh, that is scary. <laughs> oh my God. Frank could have loved Mary Vaughn. He doesn't know. I know. know. <laughs> <laughs> now never I know. don't think so. Send <laughs> me was on the cutting room floor. I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. That is some, that's really, yeah. that's interesting to hear. That's, um, that's very interesting. Um, okay. Well, we'll put that one in the pocket. There you I go. Know. Love it. Now I'm like trying to picture all of this stuff. Um, I know. So Chris, I wanted to ask you, especially with all of the layers and all of the lessons that everyone is learning, learning just overall, obviously without any spoilers, did you learn anything from the show and the interactions and the characters that you could take home to help evolve your personal life? Absolutely. Um, I think one that applies to both the experience that Isaac goes through 
Um, and then I think I may have mentioned it earlier, but because Isaac is so limited to the restaurant, he only sees what's in this bubble of the restaurant, at least in, in the season so far, um, that he, my experience as an actor, I don't see these other characters' arcs. Um, and so I've, unless I've read them in a table read, a lot of these storylines and plot points are new to me watching it with you guys as of the premiere yesterday. Um, so I'm learning about these characters and about these backgrounds and these relationships and these, these newfound friendships at the same time as the, the, the general audience is. Um, and I think that the thing that they kind of all walk away with is that, um, I think Maddie is the one who says it, but she says that you can't, um, you can't be, you can't stop yourself from asking for help. You have to, and I think she said it to Helen, but you have to be able to ask for help. Um, and there's no, there's no weakness in being able to say like, hey, I need help or I need a hand, I need a shoulder to cry on. I need somebody to be here for me this, in this moment, no matter how strong you are on your own, that we need each other and like people need people, um, which I think is very applicable to yeah. Isaac's story as him coming in as a new face and not knowing anybody. Um, and then it's something that the audience can walk away with about this small Southern town overall is that no matter how many pros or cons a person's personality or walk of life has that people need people and we need each other. Mm -hmm. Especially right that. now. I was going to say. <laughs> right <Hello>. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. Timely message. We, it's something that we can't forget. Quarantine or not, serenity or not, people, strength. No matter, like you, you, well, you said it perfectly, whatever we're going through, people need people. And I love the community aspect of this show. I mean, thank you guys so much for sharing and pouring out and giving us insight and letting us in your minds and creativity. This has been such an awesome conversation. Thank you for having us. So much fun. Thanks. Absolutely. So before we get out of here, um, I'll throw it to the panel. Panel, did you have any other questions that we might not have gotten to for Anthony or Chris? Chris, I'm curious. It's not about the show, but it's about you and your life. And so this, this was your first TV role. What are your thoughts going forward on, do you like the TV realm? Or do you want to go back to theater? Um, I, I love the TV film world. Um, I do think that I do want to continue to like see what happens with it and pursue it a little, a little more uh, directly. Um, but I do think that I will probably continue to walk a little of both worlds. Um, and I have a lot of friends that I look up to in the industry that are, are walking both of those lanes, um, and being able to simultaneously do a show here in New York and then take time off because they're filming something and then come back to a new show, um, and be able to kind of exist in both of those worlds and use both of those gears of, of, translating things for screen and translating things for stage and flexing both of those creative muscles, I think is something that I really look forward to in the long run. It's an exciting, amazing, really exciting. exciting. Yeah, absolutely. This is so awesome. So let's tell the people, uh, Chris, we'll start with you where we can find you on social media so we can support your projects and continue to support Sweet Magnolias. Yeah, of course. Uh, I am at Mr. Medlin on all social uh, it's at M-R-M-E-D-L-I-N, Mr. Medlin. And that's Instagram and Twitter and everything. Beautiful. And what about you, Anthony? Where can we bug you on social media? <laughs> um, bug you all the time. <laughs> you can't go right ahead. I, I, listen, I ignore like it's nobody's business. <laughs> um, I, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at 11 month Anthony. So that's one, one, uh, the numbers, uh, oh my gosh you totally have to repeat that because it cut out so oh, where can we sorry. find you online <laughs> 11 month anthony so that's the number one the number one m-o-n-t-h-a-n-t-h-o-n-y okay got yes. it Love you. it. <laughs> we're we're on it so thank you guys so much too at home for tuning in. We sure hope you come back for another after show and continue to watch and support Sweet Magnolias. And feel free to join the conversation. Leave comments. We'll dive in there and chat with you guys. Um, I'm your host, Jamie Alexander. And you can find me on Instagram at Jamie Alexander. And that's J-A-I-M-I. -I. Um, Tammy Govea, you can find her on Twitter at T-A-M-I-G-O-V-E-I-A. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, we've got Kelsey at Kels, M-E-Y-E-R, the number two. 
And of course, the fabulous, the Bryant Santos on all of the things at T-H-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T Santos. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you on the next after show. Thanks, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.